some call, say his name a little differently, but by the few that I found, they felt like the, his name should be saved Manessa. So most people in this building know that Manessa is probably known to be one of the most wicked kings that ever have lived. And it might seem like an odd place to preach this morning, but I feel like that's what we need to preach. I'm going to pray first. I'll read the text, and then we'll be seated. Father, we love you today and pray, God, that you'd enable us and empower us to preach in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. We know that in the arm of the flesh, we have no capability and personality. Uh, we have no capability. We need you, Lord, uh, to intervene and empower us and preach us. And, Lord, it called to mind that you'd have me to preach. God, there's so much here. And, and, and Lord, it seems like there's about two or three messages. And I, I just want to give them out uh, what you've given me. I sure am grateful for the oil. And we need the oil on Wednesday night. I appreciate you letting me preach on that all. Whoa, hallelujah, we needed that all. And tonight is, uh, this morning actually, is another service. And Lord, we need your time. We need, we need you to lean over the banister of glory and breathe on us, empower us. And Lord, our minds are so distracted. And the day that we end, Lord, Satan's so deceptive. And Lord, if we'll be honest, there's that old nature in us that keeps pulling us downward. And, and I need you, Lord, to clear our mind. Get the static out and help us to tune in to your world. Help us, Lord, pull our feet under the table with the tablecloth of grace on it and we'll praise you for it all. Help us to preach, see soul saving, and life change. Lord, if we can't preach in power, God, there ain't no sense of preaching at all. Help us, Lord, to preach in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read the text and you can be seated. I, I, if the Lord lets me, I'm going to read a, a little lengthy portion this morning. Look in, uh, in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 33 and verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. Uh, side note, kiss it, don't get back. He's the longest king that ever reigned in either united or divided kingdoms. But did, he did that in verse 2. But did that, 2 Chronicles 33, 2 Chronicles 33, I'm sorry, I thought we was already there in verse 2. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord like unto the abominations of the heathens whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 3. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down and he reared up altars for Balaam and he made groves and he worshipped all the host of heaven and he served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Uh, he got so bad, he's, he's raising up idols in the church house. And he caused his children. Now, here, here's why we know he's the wickedest king. You can look at kings and Jeremiah. I mean, boy, Jeremiah lays out a four-point message on what God's going to do to him for his wickedness. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times, used enchantments, used witchcraft, dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil 
in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image. If that wasn't enough already. The idol which he made. He set a carved image. The idol which he made. Look at this in verse 7. In the house of God. Now I know some of you thinking I don't have no idols. But sometimes your ideas are your idols. Of which God had said to David and Solomon's son. In this house and in Jerusalem. Which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel. Will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel uh, from off the land which I have appointed for your father so that they will take heed to do all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. It's bad when God's people are acting worse than the world. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people in the midst of all of it. God's still speaking. (laughs) Verse 10. And to his people, and they, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh. Here's the part that most people don't mention about Manasseh, and it's where I want to preach today. Which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. And he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Look at this, verse 13. And he prayed. He prayed to a God that wasn't even his yet. And he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then... Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. But after this, he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gahan in the valley, even to the entering in at the fish gate and the compassed about Ophel, Ophel and, and raised it up a great, a very great height and put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah. And he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built upon the mount of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem cast them out of the city and he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed their own peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places yet unto the Lord their God only. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. I want to pray one more time. Say thank you for the Bible. I want to pray, God, that you unite our mind together and thank you for this scripture. And uh, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help me to preach everything you'd have me to preach for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, we thank you and pray. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while this morning, I, I want to preach on this thought a mess of a man that God wouldn't give up on. If if the Lord would help me. (laughs) Amen. I feel like I need to climb in there. Amen. Amen. Uh, Miss Manasseh had to choose between two kings. He was a mess of a man. But God would not give up on him. Now, if we look in the context of our scripture, we know that Hezekiah had prayed that God would spare his life. 
You remember, and God did spare his life. And then he had a son, and his son is now 12, and Hezekiah dies. And Manasseh, right at the brink of becoming a teenager, has a godly daddy, has been raised in a godly home. In fact, Hezekiah did more to turn God's people back to God than anybody else. In fact, you know the story of Hezekiah. And yet raised in a godly home uh, with godly daddy, probably godly parents, in a godly environment, you have this, what I call, prodigal son who is a mess, but thank God that God specializes in taking messes and turning them into masterpieces. We have a mess of a man. (laughs) I mean, he's raised up. He's Hezekiah's son. Uh, in fact, the way he's re- acting, Brother uh, Tony, when he takes the throne at 12 years old, you'd think uh, his daddy was Ahab. I mean, as wicked as he was, but according to the Bible, uh, we see here in uh, chapter number 33 that he is 12 years old when he began to reign. And the Bible says, God says, God recorded in holy writ that he, was, he did evil in the sight of the Lord at first he says like unto the abominations of the heathen and then by the end of the chapter he's going to say worse than the heathens that God run out of Canaan hey I'm gonna, it's a sad day when you can't tell God's people from the world's people It's a sad day when you could put both in a burlap sack, shake them up, dump them out, and you'd be hard-pressed to separate them in the right group. Somebody say amen. We're living in wicked times. I want you to notice about Hezekiah, just for a minute, just for a little while, think about this. Notice some dates about this man. He was 13th king of 19 kings over this section, this southern southern kingdom of Judah and uh, he was the longest reigning king uh, that seemed odd to me brother I mean most of the time folks go to doing wrong God takes them out but ain't you glad God let him reign the longest almost as if brother Tony had to show the world hey I don't want you to only remember the bad about Manasseh I want you to know I'm going to put my favor on him I'm going to let him hold the throne longer than anybody. It's not because of his evil, but because of his repentance. Amen. And so he reigned 55 years and he was head of the southern kingdom. He was king over Judah and uh, the depravity of, uh, that we see in this man, the sin that is in the sanctuary. I say this first of all about Manasseh. Here is a life that is fumbled. He had every right and every reason to serve God faithfully. He had an example in his daddy. He he seen miracles, amen, in, in Hezekiah's day. Hezekiah had built conduits and did things to fortify uh, the nation of God's people. Uh, amen. I mean, the closest one to him, to him, uh, closest one to Manasseh, 
in the amount of years he reigned was Uzziah. And Uzziah had done a lot uh, to fortify and, and to protect God's people. But Hezekiah had seen miracles that nobody had seen. Amen. Hallelujah. Except Joshua. Joshua got to see a little bit of a sun stoppage. Uh, but God showed Hezekiah uh, signs and miracles and, and his son got to live with his daddy. He could actually say if my daddy didn't get the second chance uh, I wouldn't even be here. Oh, ain't you glad uh, for some of you dads uh, that your kids don't even know uh, that man you used to be. Uh, but God uh, has given you a second chance uh, and through that second birth, uh, hallelujah, your children are now being raised in a godly home. And here's this man, he's fumbled the ball, his life fumbled. He's made mess after mess. Think about this. I'm just going to list just a few of them. It says in our text, you can follow along with me in your Bible. Notice the sin that was going on in this, in this sinful man's life and the sin that was going on in the society that he ruled and in the sin that was going on even in the sanctuary. Amen. That he was king in Jerusalem. Now think about this. The Bible said in verse number four, he built altars in the house of the Lord. Lord to idols. The Bible said in verse number seven that he made a great idol in God's house. Oh my. I don't know where the priest was. They sure didn't have a backbone. Somebody ought to say they must have been worried about a pocketbook rather than pleasing God. Amen, preacher. Amen. Great God in heaven. Don't let me get sidetracked. He made, he made Jerusalem to air. The Bible says we're looking at the sin that affects the society that he ruled. The sin that was invading the sanctuary where he was, that was in his kingdom. We see the sin that was prevalent in this man's life and it's so impacted that it's causing Jerusalem and the people of God to err worse than the heathen that God drove out of that country. My God, have mercy. The Bible said in verse, in verse number six uh, that he sacrificed children to idols. Uh, they said he built a, a, a brass calf and it, to a false god and he would open up the side and, and to give offering to his false gods, uh, he would take babies. Uh, sounds like the abortion clinics in our day. Y'all better say amen. I'll get hung up for a long time. Amen. Still murder. Amen. Say amen. Hallelujah. Take babies. Uh, the devil's crowd's always been killing babies. Preach on, preacher. Somebody needs to tell it. Amen. They took babies and throwed them in there while they was live. And they'd hear them screaming. And that's where they got them drums beating real loud. Oh, help me, Lord. And that was to drown out the cries of the kids that were offered. You can read Jeremiah. He'll tell you about it. You can see the wickedness that's going on in his day. And he's presiding over it. There is sin in society. There is sin in itself. There's sin invading even the 
sanctuary and the prophets and the priests besides Jeremiah. Thank God for Jeremiah preaching the truth and telling them, I believe it's Jeremiah 15, what's gonna happen. He sacrificed children in the fire. He, listen to this, he used witchcraft and dealt with wizards. I mean, he's the depravity that is going on. We talked about his dates, but the depravity that you see in this man. Hey, we're seeing it in our day. The devil has no bag of new tricks. He's, he's defiling the kingdom. He, he's depraved in his heart. He, he's even using demonology. In verse number six, he used witchcraft, dealt with wizards. And, and we see that in our day, amen. Lord, help me not to get off on, on some other tangent. Man, there's about four messages that God's gave me on this text. And Brother Jared, I'm a tip. We're living in a day where it seems like that there's a bunch of gods in, in this kingdom, in this nation we call, uh, call America. Amen. And self-preservation's one of them. Amen. Silver and gold's another one. Uh, sports is another. Isn't it something? They was fighting to get them sports arenas back up. And same governors is trying to keep the churches shut down. Somebody ought to help me right there. Amen. They, he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord, the Bible says, to provoke the Lord to anger. Now I'm going to tell you, it looks like he's getting worse and worse. If you look at verse 2 and in verse number 9, there is depravity, there's demonology, there's deterioration. I mean, he's getting worse. It's defilement. I mean, it's prevalent. And this man, Manasseh, most people, that's what they think of. They think about idols. They think about false worship. They think about defiling the temple. When I thought of him, that's what I thought. But I'm glad that ain't all God recorded. Woo! God's also gonna talk about his devotion. He's also gonna talk about his deliverance. Amen. I say hallelujah. Now, he, he is fumbling. Uh, but we see, I've tried to tell you just a little bit about his life crumbling. Hey Amen. I, I, I notice, notice this about him. The Bible says in verse number 11, <laughs> I'm going to try my best to stay right here behind this pulpit because I don't have time. I really want to run right here, Jared. Notice what the scripture says. You can't make things. I'm glad this is a Jesus book right here. Notice what the Bible says in verse 11. You'll skip right over it if you don't watch it. Here is a life that has been fumbled. Here is a life that is going to be crumbled. I mean, it's crumbling under conviction. It's crumbling under weight. And because they would not repent, y'all can see it in verse 10. He, he not only did everything that he did, but I'm going to tell you what, when God spoke to him, he and the people refused to hear the preachers. Yep. They, they refused to hear the preaching. That's what the verse 10 says. And the Lord spake to Manasseh, can y'all even imagine that in spite of all of our wickedness, that God still speaks to us, that God still lets us get a word, and that God would have mercy on us, even though we don't deserve it, Brother Jared. And some of you are sitting out there, and you know you're one of God's people, and you know you're saved, and you know you ought to do some things, that, but you ain't been doing them, and you've allowed things to come in your life, and, and, and 
and crumbling under the weight of conviction. I'm glad there's hope, amen. I'm glad there's hope, hallelujah. Brother Daniel, hey, listen, can I say, when drugs get a hold of you and alcohol runs you, there's hope, ain't they, Brother Daniel? Hey, Brother Doug, when it has you for 60 years, they still hope for you, amen. The old Manasseh's got him pretty good. Looks like he's wreaking havoc in his life. But God's got to take him to a place where he has no other recourse but him. Notice what happens. His life fumbled, his life crumbled. Notice the Bible says, don't miss this, I've missed this. They, the Lord brought the captain of the host of the king of Syria, Assyria, which took Manasseh, <laughs> did y'all see that? Among the thorns. <laughs> Y'all say that, what's the big deal? Well, according to Genesis, thorns are a picture of the curse. Amen, a curse of sin, the sin of mankind. Hallelujah, amen. And so when I think, when I see him caught among the thorns, I do see that the enemy had, enemy had him and the enemy had us. The curse that surrounded him and the curse that covered him. It's the same curse that had a hold of us. The sin that bound him, that locked him down. Hey, can I say this? Oh, Lord, how mercy. Hey, can I say that sometimes God has to bring you to a place and head you in where you have no place to turn? Isn't that what he said about Hosea's loving for Gomer? Isn't that what he said? He said, I'm gonna shut every door. Hey, man, everywhere she turns, they're going to turn their back on her. And he said, I'm going to hedge her in. He said, I'm going after her and I'm going to show her I love her. Ain't you glad that when you thought you had the world about the tale, that God did let it crumble, that God did let conviction set in. And he brought you, amen, eyeball to eyeball with the curse that surrounded and was on your life. And he caught him among the thorns. But I don't just think about sin when I think about thorns. I think about the sin remedy when I think about the thorns. Amen. Woo! Amen. I say hallelujah. Amen. You know what? You know what Abraham, the Bible said, Jesus said about Abraham and John, uh, John chapter number eight, uh, that he rejoiced to see his day. You know, I believe when Abraham saw his day, when on top of Mount Moriah, that range of mountains, Calvary, when he top of Mount Moriah, amen, when he saw him that day, uh, and he's fixing to offer up his own son, and he saw a ram uh, called in some thorns, uh, by his horns. That's the PowerPoint. Amen. It had to be a voluntary sticking. I say hallelujah. Woo! Ain't you glad one day on a hill called Calvary you've done evil in the sight of the Lord. You affected other people and caused them to do evil too. But ain't you glad? Hallelujah. Amen. You turned your back on godly preaching, on the scriptures. Turns your back on godly raising. 
But in in spite of everything, God spoke to you and you rejected it. But God said, thank God, a tragedy in your life, a calamity in your life. And your eyes got open and you saw yourself hedged in under the curse. And then he saw, amen, thank God, Calvary, the curse lifter, the one who took the thorns. I say hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon the tree. He made a way for you and me. Amen. Oh, I say hallelujah. Amen. I got to Calvary in verse 11. I'm telling you. Amen. I I loved it. Here's what happens. Saw himself under the curse. Saw himself in bondage. But notice what the Bible says. We see a life fumbled. A life crumbled. Thank God we see this a life humbled. Notice what he does. He's in fetters, brother. In other words, he's in bondage. Amen. He's already he's got thorn holes sticking in him. <laughs> he he done been caught among the thorns. Hey, and notice this, they carried him to Babylon. Now you remember when I first gave you the title to the thought today. that the subtitle I said was Manasseh had two kings in his life. He had one over Babylon and he had one who was really over Jerusalem. Somebody say amen. And Manasseh, amen, is under the bondage and of the dominion of Babylon right now. He's been taken away captive. His eyes are open. What he was spiritually, he's experiencing physically. And sometimes we're so hard-headed that we won't listen spiritually that God has to send physical things. Somebody help me. You remember what it was that day? You came into church, thought you had it all figured out, probably went to church to get somebody to leave you alone. Some preacher preached, you didn't have to want to hear it, but the message went home with you and conviction set in on you and the thorns got to poking you. Amen. And then one day, amen, when you didn't know what else to do, you called on somebody who heard your prayer. I say hallelujah for a life Humble. Ain't you glad God humbled you one day? <laughs> Woo! Notice this is what he said. We see the enemy had us, the curse covered us, sin abound us. But thank God, notice what the Savior does for us, what it did for him. Look what the Bible said. Verse 12. And when he was in affliction, <laughs> listen. It's a little different message. I'm already, I already want to run four laps, but I want to make sure I can get to it. Y'all see, y'all, y'all, did, did you see what happened in, in the midst? It was when he was in, right. not, not when he was out of, but while he was in the affliction. I'm talking about, hey, hey, man, hey, I'm talking about in affliction, in captivity, under, under the authority, there was somebody who was going to poke on him and going to torture him. Y'all remember me telling you that? I read, I, I believe it was Ivor Powell. It, it might have been Brother Edgar Thomas. I can't remember. Uh, one of them men, I found that old boy, and he had them birds in that cage. And, and he said, what you going to do? He said, I'm going I'm to poke them. I'm going I'm to pl- 
pluck them. I'm going to torture them. And then I'm going to kill them. And he said, let me buy them. He said, you don't want these old field spires. Ain't worth nothing. He said, what do you want? He said, $2. He said, I'll take them. And he bought the cage and the birds. And then he took that boy and said, come over here. And he opened the gate and smashed the cage because the birds, as soon as he opened the gate, had flew their way toward heaven. He said, why would you pay for something? And then set it free. He said, let me tell you what happened to me. I was under conviction one day. And the devil had me. And he was torturing me. And he was poking on me. Amen. And the Lord come by. That's the Bible. Psalm 124. Our souls escape as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. A snare's broken. And we are escaped. Our help's in the night. <laughs> Woo! You was tortured. Amen. You was picked. You was plucked. But one day God saved you. He bought you. He paid for you. And he set you free. And he destroyed the cage. And the devil can't never catch you again. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Woo! I feel like I just got the checkered flag, Luke. Amen. Amen. You better bring that next Sunday. Might use that. Amen. Woo! Y'all with me today? Here's a life humbled. In the midst of affliction, when you think, and God's forgot about you, that's when God has hedged you up for the day he's going to do something special for you. Notice what the Bible says. Here's this wicked king. He'd always used his abilities. He'd always used his accomplishments. He'd always used his faculties. He'd always used his favors uh, to bring more wickedness and influence more evil in himself, his house, and his kingdom. But, but God said, I know your mouth spoke wicked words. And I know your hands has done wicked things. And I know your feet has went wicked places. And I know your mind has thought wicked things. But look what the Bible says. When he was in affliction, he besought the Lord, his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. The Lord says, I'm going to be his he don't know it until verse 13. He said, I'm going to be his before he knows I'm his. I'm going to do something for him. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. He thinks I'm just a God of Hezekiah. He thinks I'm just a God, amen, of the forefather, Abraham. But I'm his God too. And the Bible said he prayed. Notice this. A life humbled, he hears us. The Bible said he called on the Lord his God. He'd rejected his word. God had spoke to him and he said, I don't want to hear what you got to say. God had sent preachers. He said, don't want to hear what you got to say. Every, but, but God is so much more merciful than we are. Am I right about that? I mean, if it had been us, we'd have cut him off. Oh, but God had mercy. Look what the Bible says. He called unto him and he heard. Look at this. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. There's that life humbled, humbled himself greatly. Amen. That's that word mega. That's that word buffet. He said, God, I feel like my life's a buffet. And I want you to take it all. He, he said, humbled for the Lord and God of his fathers and prayed unto him. Notice this. And God, he was entreated of him and heard his supplications and brought him again to 
You say, preacher, what's the big deal? I'm saying when the enemy had us and when the curse had covered us and when sin had bound us, amen, thank God, we got to hit our knees and we called out to a loving Savior, a loving sovereign, amen, who hears us, who forgave us, who restored us. And that ain't all, church, and records us in the line. Say, so, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, I've tried to preach to you about the man, the miracle he experienced over there in the dungeon. See, we saw sin, but we saw distress in the dungeon, deliverance from the dungeon. He cried, and the Lord heard, the Lord brought, the Lord sent, amen. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. All that happened down there. In the, I'm talking about, he's prayed, Brother Tony, and his great affliction led to a prayer. A great answer resulted from his prayer. A great assurance followed his prayer. A great atonement succeeded his prayer. Amen, thank God for prayer time even for the persecuted. Now think about this. He's the, he's the man that experienced the miracle. Now take your Bibles right quick. I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna blow your mind. It did mine. Look at Matthew chapter one. Hey Amen. You better look because I might. You, you gotta know I'm preaching out King James Bible, not an almanac. Amen. Amen. Anybody make sure you don't know what's gonna happen. Amen. Hey. Hallelujah. There's a lot of names in here. <laughs> but look at verse 10. And Ezekiel begot Manessus, and Manessus begot Ammon. Whoa, wait just a minute. You mean to tell me that this man who was a mess that God didn't give up on, a man who fumbled his life, a man whose life crumbled under conviction, a man who's now got humbled, he's gonna be a man who's gonna be recorded in the lineage of Jesus. That's what I'm pointing out to you in Matthew chapter one. Woo! I don't know how the, I don't know how our name's in the book. Maybe it's alphabetized. Hey Amen, maybe it's a genealogical order. I don't know, brother, but if Rahab made it, you and I can make it. If Bathsheba made it, you and I can make it. If Tamar can make it, you and I can make it. If Ruth, maybe we can make it. Hey, man, even Uriah's mentioned. Perez is mentioned. Oh, I'm, hey, great God in heaven. But Manasseh, the wicked king, the most wicked king, got right with God. And he is mentioned. And his son is mentioned. I say hallelujah. They are responsible for bringing Jesus into this world. Are y'all with me? He made an impact in his family. Amen. Look what the Bible says. You say, yeah, but his son got wicked. Yeah, I know. But you ain't seen who his grandbaby's going to be yet. Manessa knew that the Lord was his God. Here's a life humbled, a life delivered. But I want you to look at a life reassembled. Look at verse 14. Brother Ken... As soon, I'm talking about immediately, when he got right with God, it looks like he got out. Now, I'm, many people I've read behind, I don't trust a bunch of them, but I trust Brother Gill, and this is what he said. I was thinking, according to the text, he wasn't even in prison long. I mean, he was doing things that led him to prison, but it didn't take just a little bit and he got humble. He saw himself in a mess. 
He saw himself. It's said by tradition, I don't know this, but tradition says that they put his hands and feet in a brass fiery object just like the kids that he put in. They said they were making, he was reliving the torture and the wickedness that he'd reaped in his own. He was having to reap what he sowed. Be not deceived, God is not mine. What's, y'all, y'all with me today? Pull up close. Here's what happened. It didn't take long. He got right with God. He repented. And what happened? God had him released. I'm telling you, friend, I'm gonna tell you, bondage, they can't keep you in the bond. The devil can't hold you. Hey, man, thank God. God, hey, though you deserve to go to hell and though you don't deserve uh, to be restored and renewed, uh, hey man, I'm glad God forgives. And he was released. The Bible says he was released. And we see his life reassembled. You say, preacher, what's the big deal? Look, look what the Bible says. Look at verse 14. He goes, he leaves with assurance. He knows the Lord is his God. And he goes back with a renewed affection. Look what he says. Verse 14. Now after this. Don't it sound like it just. And is a conjunction. It like it just continues. And. It, it, it's, it gives me the idea brother. That Manessa was the sun raised right. Hey. Uh, but he was a vessel that got marred. Ain't you glad Jeremiah said. When that vessel got marred. There's that little word there. So, <laughs> the Lord made it again another vessel. Ain't you glad there's a so in your life? Amen. Hallelujah. God, when you deserve the heap, God sent help. Amen. The Bible says that he got out. And the Bible says this. The first thing he did, Brother Tony, God's reassembling his life. It's almost, if you read the first part of chapter 33 and the last part of chapter 33, it's almost like there's two different people. It's almost, y'all pull up real close, listen to me right here. It's almost like he got born again. It's almost like he became a new man. Amen. <laughs> y'all, amen. Y'all, hey, I know. Y'all just leave me alone. I'm going to shout her while. Look what the Bible said. As soon as. He built a wall. Let me put it like this. Repentance, restoration, he reforms Manasseh, and the first thing he does is he rebuilds the wall. Wall is a picture of separation. You know what I've, I feel like? Hey, man, he, not only did he build a wall, look what kind of wall he built. The Bible says down in the part, latter part of verse 14 that it was a very great height. Did y'all hear me? He said he didn't want no little small wall. He wanted to make sure there was a high wall, a great wall. Hey, man, a very great wall. Hey, massive in its width, massive in its breadth, massive in its height, massive in its width. He built a wall of separation. Now, church, I'm going to tell you right now, as soon as you get saved, there ought to be a change in your life. Hey, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things will become new. When you get out from under the curse, when you get out from the bondage of, of the slave driver, the devil, after you get out from his clutches, after you get deliverance, after you get a brand new life, after you get a second chance, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to stay over there, hang around the heathens. You've got a choice to make. You're going to live under 
under Babylon authority or are you going to live under Jerusalem authority? Hey man, he had a choice to make and he went back and he built a wall and he wanted a separation there. But I love where the wall's at. He gives us a description. Notice what he says. It's not only a high wall, it's not only a great wall, it's not a, a very great height. But listen, look at this. In the latter part of verse number uh, 14, it's a defended wall. Bible said he put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah. He said, I'm going to make sure hey, we put some watchmen on the wall. Hey, man, hallelujah. Hey, man, thank you, Lord. Notice this. It's, notice where the wall is. Build a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gahan. Now, that don't seem like that's real important until you realize that's the second river in the Bible mentioned. And it's one who's fed. It originates in the garden of God. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, I got to protect our water source. Amen. He said, great God, I'm glad we got a water source. Y'all picture this. I'm glad we got a water source. Hey man, right from the hey man, the garden of God. Hey man, you don't believe me? Look at in your Bible, Genesis. And then, then notice this: from the west side of God. Now that west side, that west wall, that's a picture. On the other side is Ethiopia. That's wild country. That's wicked country. That's worldly country. He said, "I'm gonna build a wall between God's people and the wild, wild west, and the world, and the wicked." Amen. He, he noticed this in the valley. He said, because it's in our hard times, in our low times, uh, that we need to be protected. Uh, hey, God's got some watchmen uh, that'll preach the truth. Uh, even in the valleys, we are protected. Say amen. But then even to the entering in at the gate, and here's what got me, Brother Linder. When I got done study, I, I looked at every one of them because there's another place mentioned. It mentions this little place, Ophel. And compassed about Ophel. Now, if you look up Ophel, it's a citadel. It's a stronghold. It's a place right there on the side of the wall that, that is almost invincible. It kind of gives you the picture of another place that the devil can't do nothing about called Calvary. Somebody, And by the way, it was right outside the gate. Amen. And the Bible says, amen, that he raised it up a very and put captains. He put it right there, uh, even to the entering at the sheep gate. So if you go to Nehemiah, and in Nehemiah chapter 3, he built the wall from one gate to another uh, from, from the flow of Gahon, which by the way, amen, is down there by the sheep gate. Numbers, uh, Nehemiah 3, down there by the sheep gate, that's a picture of salvation. And he said he built it all the way to the fishing gate, that's a picture of soul winning. Somebody say amen. Woo! I'm telling you right now, thank God. And don't forget that there's that little pool down there, it's the pool of Shiloham. Uh, uh, it's also called another name. Uh, but the bottom line is, in John 5, uh, there's a pool down there where folks go to get healed. Hey, can I tell you today, thank God, what you need, hey man, is to get inside that fence and realize that God's got a water source. Hey man, that God's got watchmen on the wall. Hey, can, can you remember that God saved your soul? It's only by the grace of God you came in the sheep gate. And thank God there's a soul winning gate. He'll make you fishers of men. Hallelujah. That's the section that he built. So he built a high wall, a soul winning wall. Amen. A water protecting wall, 
a, a, a citadel kind of wall. It, the Gahan feeds Bethsaida, pool of Shiloh. Amen. Hey, you got to protect it. Notice this, notice this in verse number 15. He starts doing all these things. He's removing strange gods. He's repairing, amen, and reforming the altar. He's reviving the walls and the gates. Amen. He starts requiring Judah to worship gods. Amen. Amen. Worship gods. No, I'm sorry. He, he requires them to quit worshiping false gods and start worshiping the only true God. Now, they still, some of them reject and go to were on places uh, to worship to the right God. Uh, but he did his part in trying to restore Jehovah as the only God that is authorized to be worshiped. Now, he's doing all of this to show us what I feel like. Here's, here's what I feel. It's what I believe. And when I looked at 2 Chronicles 33, everything that he did, the man, the miracle, the messianic line. This down here by this string that comes from the garden of God. Uh, setting up guardsmen to protect God's people. Putting watchmen on the wall. Building back the soul winning. Amen. And the salvation gate. Uh, setting things in order. Getting idols out of the temple. Tearing down strange places of worship. Not only that, then he, then he, brother, starts offering offerings, amen, of thanksgiving and peace. He said, glory to God, what peace? Glory to God, hallelujah. We ought to be thankful that God didn't wipe us. We deserve, and God did judge them, and God will judge them, but not while Manasseh was alive. He had a heart of repentance, and so God restored him. Here's how I believe it applies. Well, more than on top of what I've already said. I believe if you look at this chapter, it boils down to three things, basically. Brother Jared, there's two kingdoms in our life. They were two kingdoms in Manasseh's life. Babylon, Jerusalem. Place of bondage, and the place of God the place of heathen worship and the place of heaven-bound saints. Wicked people and God's people. See, it boils down to this, brother. We are a mess that God didn't give up on. We've been trying to play both kingdoms. And in the day that we live in, it's got to the place that the church has become like the heathen and some worse than the heathen. Y'all know I'm right. I, I won't stay here long because I'll get sidetracked, but I feel like God put it on my heart again. I'm going to say it. What has ever happened? First message ever preached on getting used to the dark about men praying, women dressing. Both of them are because of what he did at Calvary and there are ways that we can impact everybody around us. You say, I can live like I want to live. I can act like I want to act. Yes, I know that. And I'm not advocating uh, somebody taking up for these wicked men that take advantage of women. But I have never heard of an Amish woman being raped. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Here, here's what I'm saying. There is a distinct difference 
and how they dress and perform. I'm not, I don't want to be like the Amish because they think they got to work to go to heaven. I don't want my wife to wear all gray dresses, black pantyhose. I think that's kind of ugly. Reminds me of funeral homes. I don't want her to see that. Amen. I don't mind paint. I think we paint houses. Makes them look better. Amen. I don't care if she fixes her hair. I mean, I'll pay for it. I, I, like, I like it when she has long fingernails. Amen. Scratches my back when I got an itch that I can't reach. Connie was taking care of Michael a while ago. He's about to die. Hey, I, 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 believe, I believe in you ought to take care of yourself. I believe you ought to look presentable. I believe Christian people ought to look the best. We ought to care about how we look. I think, I think we represent Christ. I believe when you come to church, it's the best thing you've got is overalls and wear them. And we have old time of day and we wear overalls and I'd like to claim old time of day every Sunday. Be all right with me. But if I'm going to wear some clean ones, somebody help me. I, I, I'm going to do my best to represent Christ in a wicked world. And I thank God for everybody that loves this church enough to respect our rules and I loves the church enough to, uh, to honor the dress of, of what the Bible says and, and our guidelines and bylaws. I appreciate that. I appreciate women dressing right. I appreciate them not wearing little sh uh, short mini skirts, and I thank God for that. And uh, I, I appreciate every aspect of what people do here at the house of God. And I believe we ought to know that. But, brother, I'm going to tell you who needs a witness. Them people down at Walmart need to witness. Them folks over at the gas station need to witness. And the folks, amen, preacher. Are y'all with me? I'm telling you, there was a separation going on. They had a choice. He had a choice. I'm going to live like Babylon or I'm going to live like Jerusalem. He had two kingdoms in his life. Number one, number two, he had two kings in his life. See, he had the king of Jerusalem and he had the king. Some would say this. Well, who's the king of Jerusalem? Himself. So you've got a choice. Hey Amen. You could either choose the king of the world, you can choose the king of self, or you can choose who the real king of Jerusalem is. And that's King Jesus. In reality, he probably, you could probably put it more, uh, more perfectly like this. He had three kings. But the truth, the truth is, when he's over in Babylon, he ain't thinking about nobody but king. He's thinking about Jehovah king. He's thinking about getting back to Jerusalem. He's thinking about the authority figure over God's city and God's kingdom. Can I tell you, there's two kingdoms. You're going to have to make a choice. There's two kings. But, but lastly, I believe this, there were two Manessas. If you were to split this chapter up, it looks like two different people. It looks like two different men. It looks like there's been a rebirth. He had the old Manasseh's life, already had the new Manasseh's life. I believe he went out of this world, Brother Tony, forever changed. We never do see in our text, chapter 33, him backsliding. The Bible says this about him said he's buried over there in the garden. He's buried in a different place. He said in verse number 18, the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the words of the seers that spake to him and the name of the Lord God of Israel. Behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. His prayer also and how God was entreated of him and always seeing his trespasses in the places wherein he built the high places and set groves and graving in before he was humbled. Behold, they are written among. He said before he was humbled. As if he never did it again. 
Hey, ain't you glad God takes, hey, man, a Holy Ghost eraser and wipes that past out? Ain't you glad that God's got blood, the same blood that had converted you, the same blood that can cleanse you, and now that you sin after you got saved, ain't you glad that God can forgive you of that sin and that mess? I'm saying, hallelujah, I believe this, Brother Linda, if we just go ahead and go full, full steam ahead and go ahead and decide to go with God, hey, man, we, we'd be a whole lot better off. I feel feel like, I feel like I, most folks would quit trying to work up some kind of false enthusiasm, some kind of religious excitement, and just go to banking on what Jesus did. You get happy in the Lord, and you couldn't contain yourself. Amen. I, I think a lot of us, are much Christianity is kind of like the feast down there at Cana. When they ran out of wine, amen, then they started looking for something really to bring the joy. Amen. We have no wine. We we need to be honest. We've got nothing spiritual. We have no spiritual wine. And we need God to stir our heart. And that for him to make us happy. Here's what we need. We don't need hotheads. Amen. That's folks that get mad. We don't need deadheads. That folks that don't do nothing. We don't need figureheads. They just hold a position, but they're not real. We don't need sourheads. That's people, that's people who make other people pucker. Somebody say amen. We don't need soreheads. That's people who's always picking a fight with somebody else. And I'm going to tell you what G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, has anyone ever charged you with being drunk? Because in the, when, the, when they got empty, when they brought them empty vessels, and they filled them with the water, picture of the word of God, he turned the water into wine. And you and I are earthen vessels. And his word's been poured in us. And if we'll fellowship with him, it'll turn into joy. It'll turn into festivities. It'll turn into happiness. And folks should accuse you of being drunk. Sometime or another. They'll think you're crazy. What that, what that uh, sweet black lady that used to come that we need to try to get to come back? Jackie, Miss Jackie. Jackie what did she say? She said, I thought, I thought you was, I thought you, I forgot, Rick Flair? And drunk on Jack Daniels. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. Hey. She said, my, my church folks come over. He said, man, I, I thought us black churches knew how to worship. Them boys, them folks over there know how to worship. Hey, man. Hey, can I tell you this? I, I want to be excited about going to heaven. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Hey, Manessa had a powerful influence for positive in the community, in society, because himself had been given over and surrendered and been saved and he had a powerful position and he made an impact in society he made an impact into the sanctuary but he never did get the sour taste out of his son's mouth and his son came along and did evil but then if you'll keep looking old Josiah's in his line and old Josiah's one of the best kings that Israel ever had. Hey, let me, here's what I want to tell you. You may feel like you've made so many messes that you've no way, you have no way to repair the damage you've done in people's lives. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to do like Manessa. Don't let your past dictate the present. Don't let your past dictate the future. Go out here, 
and try your best to go all the way to your house looking in the rearview mirror. And they're going to pull you over and give you a ticket, number one. And then you're going to wreck and hit somebody, number two. You got that big window in front of you. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Quit tripping over your past. I've said it a multitude of times, that thief on the cry, on the cross, on the right-hand side that got saved, the one that started railing, ended up repenting, thank God and received forgiveness. That one who got the promise, amen. He, even, he was the only voice of Christ's innocence at Calvary that day. That thief on the cross, amen. And y'all remember, he had his flesh nailed. He had his whole, had his flesh nailed to the cross, his whole born again life. That's why when the lights went out, he didn't doubt. Amen. That's why, amen, great God. I'm going to tell you, that thief on the right side, he never did doubt. Woo! What God had did in the daylight, he was going to hold out in the nighttime. I'm telling you right now, he had his flesh nailed. He couldn't look back. All he could do was look to Christ and to look forward. I'm telling what you need to do is have your flesh nailed to the cross and your past dealt with under the blood. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, here's what we need to do. I feel like at Pentecost, them folks, they thought they were drunk. They thought they were extreme. They thought they were weird. They thought they were crazy. Brother Tony said it this morning. Uh, he said, Brother Shane, he's a nut, but he's screwed on the right boat. I say, amen. When I was out there in the world, and them old honky-tonks. They never did tell me I got too loud. Right. I've had a lot of religious people say I carried it too far. I don't know if y'all remember that couple sit right here. Y'all remember them? All independent, we're glad to be here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They were so nervous. It was one of them own services. You know, we had traffic controllers guiding people. It was, it was one of them. They wanted out of here just as quick as they. Here, here's what most folks, they're comfortable around dead religion because what they have is dead too. Right. Y'all know I'm right. right. I, I know I'm right. I told them girls, and mom and, and daddy ain't here. Uh, and I told them, I said, boy, y'all easy to preach to. I was up there Friday. There was a crowd of people I never met before. They's easy to preach to. You know why? Because uh, they're alive and they're receiving. And it's like they're drawing out of you. Amen. It's easy to preach. They're identifying with the living Savior that you're preaching about. And I'm telling you, church, can I just say this? We ought not ever be ashamed of being sold out and serving God. We have a wall of separation up. And we ought to be guarded wall. And mama, daddy, you right to guard that wall. Somebody say amen. Hey, you're right to hear the truth and rejoice about it and to drink from that fountain that flows from the garden of God. Hey, it's in order, praise God, to do right, even if everybody don't do it. Even if your son turns sideways. There'll be some grandbabies that come on down the road and they liable to be Josiah, the king of reformation. I would be one of the greatest kings. But besides that, there's another king coming. Now, Manasseh, y'all saw it, was in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all remember Thamar? She's in there. She had them two sons. One of them ain't even in the line. He's that firstborn. You know how he got in the line? He's mentioned in Matthew 1. Because he's the one who had the scarlet thread wrapped around him. Amen. 
hey, I don't matter your past. Sinful past. Boy, it sure is good that God can save sinners. Miss Rhonda's going to come play. I wonder today if you just be honest. I've, I've tried my best to give you what the Lord's gave me. You've got two kingdoms. You've got two kingdoms. God or the devil. Are you going to live your life under the authority of the old man or the authority of the new man? You need to reckon that stuff dead under sin and alive under God. You need to mortify the deeds of the body. You need to walk in the spirit and pray in the spirit. Amen. You ought to have a spirit-led life, a spirit-led prayer. I say amen. Hey, listen, thank God you're saved, but let's walk in the Holy Ghost.